Greetings, greetings and salutations, friends. It is time for another episode of the Pacers Pod. The last time that we spoke was right after the draft, where the Pacers got Cassius Stanley. Um, and now, today, as I'm recording this, it's Saturday, December 12th, and we've had about two weeks of training camp, and the Pacers are three and a half hours away from their first preseason game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Central Division um, opponent. And it's pretty, it's pretty damn exciting to think about the new era that, that is upon us now. And... Um, on this episode, on the episode, on this episode of the, uh, on this episode of this podcast, is I, I want to finish up the player recaps from last year, um, on the on the top five guys, and we know that the off season for the Pacers ended up being rather uneventful, so it's relevant still because these are the players that we are going to be uh, get to see representing our Pacers here in a few short hours. Um, so I wanted, I want to do, I want to finish up those recaps and then, but before that, I want to talk a little bit about the, the pre or, or uh, basically the season so far. So training camp was like, I believe it was about two weeks ago and it, it's, it's been pretty crazy to see the difference in um the enthusiasm from the players and I think uh, that you get to see from coach Bjorkren um, everybody talk. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. The difference that, that someone like me from, from the outside, just looking in to like when Nate McMillan and that crew was there um, compared to just the first couple of weeks here with, with Bjorkren um, just, hearing about all the change that is that's going on right now and how much different this uh how much different the the culture and kind of the um uh the psyche of the team is right now compared to where it was like last year um and that's because there's a new there's a new head coach and i you know I was really excited about Bjorkren whenever I heard about the hire, um, and 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 then now that we have two weeks worth of we haven't seen a preseason game yet, but we've got two weeks worth of training camp, and I mean he couldn't have he couldn't have done anything more to to impress impress me or I think anybody who considers themselves a Pacers fan because he's got he's got these guys that seemed, you know the the Pacers I've said this a lot but like their thing is chemistry. I mean, that's the only way that they're going to be a, a, a championship contender type team with the roster that we have, because we don't have, we don't have the top 10 players in the league. Like we don't have a Giannis or we don't have a Kevin Durant. So, and, and I mean, it never happens, but like the only way that, that the Pacers could ever compete, you know, it, it's like, they have to be, a, they have to be a five man unit that's it's in unison and and with the roster that they have i mean they have five really good pieces and so i think that they can make a case to be competitive but 
last year was that's what was so frustrating about last year was that that's what we were supposed to be last year. Um, but the team just, you know, when Vic came back and then like with the bubble and everything, the the starters, these this five man unit, you know, um, I'm not reporting anything new here, but they, you know, they only played like 85 minutes together. Um, you know, the Sabonis, Turner, Warren, Brogdon, Oladipo. Uh, we never got to see, you know, what a backcourt of Brogdon and Oladipo could look like because when Oladipo came back, Brogdon got injured. Um, and then in the bubble, I mean, we did see that, but I don't know. It just, it was weird. So it, it, it's just like, we. so we have the same guys that we had last year, but now that we have this new coach and the energy, um, the buy-in, I guess the, the camaraderie, I think the faith in the coach is a huge, huge deal right now for this team. And that's why I'm just so excited to see what they look like tonight against Cleveland. Like they've only now they've only had two weeks to practice to put in an offense and to put in a defense that's completely different to, to what they had before. But like, I mean, all teams are going through that. So um, we, we have uh, we still have like two. Let's see. December 23rd is the first first real uh, game that counts towards your record. Um, so the Pacers still have a couple weeks, you know, these preseason games are probably going to be more just like, um, trying out things. I, I, I would imagine that. And I think Bjorken already said this, that like the minutes are going to be pretty balanced. So it's not like they're going to be trying to win these games, like with the starters. It's, it, it is a, it is an exhibition, but I, I, so I know it's not like we're going to see a ton of things, but just to, to see like what, uh, a different style of offense is going to look like and, and how they want to, how they're going to play defense and like, who's going to, I don't even know if we know for sure who's going to start. And I don't know if there's just so much to look forward to tonight. Um, and, and it, 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 for me, it starts with the fact that the players and, and the coaching staff and the organization seems super energized right now. And, and it feels like a refresh. So like I was shitting on Victor Oladipo, um, in the bubble in the playoffs i think it was like after game two or three whatever you know he just like looked away during the during the the timeout in the like fourth quarter or whatever and i was done with them and then there and honestly this whole off season it's been pretty weird with oladipo as a fan to just kind of like you don't know what's going on but he's saying at this point in time i'm i'm buying in to this team as constructed this year, new coach, like I think Oladipo. I mean, the best the best thing that Oladipo can do is to prove that he's a max player this year, and that's. I mean, if if Victor gets up to a point where he can prove that he's a max player worthy of that contract in the in the uh, off season, it's like yeah, maybe the. I don't know if that. I don't know what that means for the Pacers and the and Oladipo relationship, but for this year. That's what's best for this team because that means we got a hell of a player um, alongside a bunch of other guys who, I mean, this up and down this roster, I mean, there's guys that are, I think, are looking to have their best season of their career. And um, so, anyways, I'm just super, I'm super excited about Bjorkren so far and uh, Oladipo. I was, look, I was re, uh, watching some like, interviews like after practice and stuff and Oladipo said 
you know, in quotes, like, coach is amazing. We really click, clicked. He's smart. Uh, sounds like, it sounds like Oladipo is buying into Bjorkren's style and kind of putting trust in Bjorkren. Domas said, you know, like, there's lots of things to try out here. And I think that means uh, the way that maybe Domas and Miles Turner play together. Uh, maybe TJ Warren would play, will play a little bit more of like a, 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 a power forward position and, and maybe they'll stagger the minutes between Domas and Miles. Uh, and Domas also said, you know, the rap, like he expects that the, the Pacers are going to start playing more like the Raptors, uh, more three pointers, faster paced. Um, and I, the way that like when you're watching Domas or Vic, you know, talk during this interview, they they seem genuinely excited about it. Like it's not something where it's like, oh, you know, he wants us to play faster like the Raptors used to play. And we want to play the way we used to play. It's like no, I think the players, the players were eager for this change, to to, you know, to like a more um, modern style of basketball, which is you know involves you know a little bit more sp like spacing and open floor, a little bit more up and down, switching on defense. Um, and the players, I think, were ready for that. And Bjorkren is is kind of the from from what I've seen so far. He, you know, he's you know this is this might be this is a hot take, but uh, Nick Nurse might have been sitting on Bjorkren's star. Um, so I think we'll see what happens in Toronto this year. But like Bjorkren is so freaking positive, and I don't know much about Nick Nurse. I'm sure Nick Nurse is a is a great coach, and it could be that. Um, you know, Bjorkren is kind of like a product of Nick Nurse, but I just, I feel like the Pacers, I think, I think Bjorkren's going to really change the game for the Pacers this year. Um, and I, and, and he's doing it. He's, he's bringing this energy into the training camp. They've got this belt that they pass around and I don't know exactly what it is. It's like, as far as like, if it's deflections or steals or charges or hustle or, or what, but like, uh, TJ McConnell had it, um, Edwin Sumner had it, Doug McDermott had it. I saw a clip uh, of, uh, in, in, oh, actually, I'm going to talk about two clips I saw from training camp. And one clip was Brogdon through, throwing an alley-oop to uh, Cassius Stanley, our rookie, with the insane vertical. And it was just like, oh, my God, I want, I want to watch that in games. So I'm rooting so hard. I, I'm... There, I want it's 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 such a weird thing because there's so many guys on this Pacers team that I want to see play and contribute. There's too many. Like I even I want to see I want to see Cassius Stanley play and I want to see uh, Jalen LePue. I'm kind of excited about him as well. And and um, you know I I just want to see everybody play. And that's what's best about these preseason games. So in just a few short hours here, we'll get to get to see these guys in action. Um, where to go from here? So yeah, uh, the you know back to the training camp. Uh, oh, I was gonna say so. There was uh, I saw a clip also. Yeah, it was the Cassius Stanley alley oop dunk from Brogdon, and then there was one uh, where they must have been in, they were doing a drill or something, and from the side like Bjorkren from the sideline was like, if Doug makes this shot, practice is over, and it was like three seconds later you see. McDermott's like sprinting to the corner. He catches like a long pass. 
squares up, knocks it down, practices over. And like, and, and like the team was like just hyped up and it would just, it's, it looks, it looks like they're having fun. It looks like the Pacers are having a lot of fun playing basketball. And I don't, you know, that's hard to probably, uh, that's hard to probably quantify what, what that means for a team. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking like, I've, I've always, I've always been, I've, I've always been like very, very optimistic about the Pacers and some of the stuff has been true though. Like, you know, I think about Domas Sabonis, you know, where he was and I, and watching the games, like it's interesting following, it's interesting following a team and watching 95% of the games because I've never, I never really watched the NBA that way prior to, uh, was it that 17, 18 season when uh, Oladipo and Sabonis got traded and they came on board. And so like it's, it, for me, that's kind of where I, it's like before that, I don't really, I didn't really know like what it was to follow a team the way I have now since Oladipo and uh, Sabonis joined the Pacers. And so like, and I, and I remember watching, you know, Domas come off the bench and, um, and just being like, man, I, this guy brings so much to the table. Like he's great. And, and kind of talking him up and then like, you know, he's, he's backing it up. He was an all-star. So um, I feel, I kind of have those same feelings right now towards Bjorkren. It just, it's, it's interesting. I just think this Pacers team has a lot of talent that if they, if, 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 Maybe Bjorkren can make it so that chemistry is truly a strength and that the depth of this team is truly a strength. And like, that's how we can beat teams that have better top talent, but we have more cohesion and we have more unique weapons that we can play that are always ready to go. And then it's up to Bjorkren to put that together. And is like, you have the buy-in of the team, you know, we might be able to do some damage this year. And I, I don't think that we are one of the top teams going into the season because there's, you know, we have to see how this team plays. But I think if you look at the potential of this team, if things go right, if, if Victor Oladipo um, has a season that makes it seem like he has a case to be the, uh, to be a max player. And if Malcolm Brogdon is able to, uh, you know, stay healthy and, and you know, play with Vic in a way that um, we didn't get to see last year. And, you know, actually, I'm going to save that as I get, you know, get into the uh, player recaps from, from, from last year. But, like, there's just a ton to be excited for right now. Um, in training camp, I think they're also, you know, they seem to be very competitive. Uh, Bjorkren has said, you know, that there is no – um, starting lineup yet and he doesn't know what his rotations are going to be and I think that's awesome because uh, even though I have a feeling we it just depends I, I we don't know it could be it could be so different so there's just so so much up in the air it's going to be a new look um, all right I think that's that's good to to kind of lay the groundwork as I uh, now talk about the starters and Kind of like what they did last year. Um, oh, real quick before before that, Alize Johnson. You know he's no longer with the Pacers. He signed with the Toronto Raptors. 
So congrats to, to uh, Alizé for getting another chance. And then, uh, you know, I should probably look into that because I made that note a while ago and it's quite possible that maybe he was, maybe he's still not with them. Uh, so I don't know. Anyways. Um, oh, and then we did get to see like what our city uniforms are going to be this year. And I like them better than last year's city uniforms, but it's going to be like a navy blue with gold pinstripes, kind of like a flashback to the kind of uh, late 90s, early 2000s with uh, Reggie and uh, Jalen Rose and uh, those jerseys. Um, and that made me think like, I wonder how the... Like, okay, so, because now it used to, you know, it used to be that it was just two jerseys. You had your home, white, and your away, solid color. Um, and then I remember, you know, then like teams started introducing like a third jersey. Uh, like maybe, you know, like the Lakers would have like a white, a yellow, and a purple. Um, but nowadays, you've got like the city, you've got like, retro jerseys um home and away i mean there's just so there's like a ton of different jersey choices for each team and so i just i wonder how they how they choose what jersey to wear and i, I don't know what the, i don't know how they do it now but i feel like i feel like the players should get to choose what jerseys they wear each game because i think that would make it more interesting um if i i think that's a i think that's a real thing that it players care what jerseys they're wearing i don't know about if it is in the nba level but i i know like when i played basketball high school level even it's like you wondered about your i mean you wanted your jerseys to look to look good you know and if you could pick the jersey that you had that you got to wear i think that you you pick jerseys based on how you felt in those jerseys so i could be totally off base there but um Anyways, player recaps. This is the official bow on the 2019-2020 season, which on it was a it was a it was a disappointing season that had silver lining. And uh, so here's this I'm gonna start with Vic. So Victor Oladipo, last season was that that was the comeback year, right? I mean, Vic went down, you know, real quick. 2017, 2018, Vic's first year at the Pacers. Pacers are supposed to suck. He ends up like catching fire and going for like 23 points, five rebounds, five assists, two and a half steals, makes an all NBA team, makes an all-star team. And it's like, damn, where'd that come from? Maybe maybe that Paul George trade wasn't so bad for the Pacers. Um, then you go to the next year, 2018-2019. Oladipo doesn't have quite that fire, but he's still having a, a solid year. He's still, he's still having an all-star season. Um, he gets selected to the all-star team, and then late January, he suffers the injury against Toronto that, that, that knocks him out for the rest of that season. And then also into last season. And so that's why it's like he had a lot to prove, or not a lot to prove, but last season was the comeback year. And he came in against the Bulls the first game back. 
after being out for over a year. You know, he he gets like 20 minutes, maybe 24 minutes that game. He hits the three-pointer to take the game into overtime. Um, you know, it's like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't uh, miraculous, but it was like Vic hit an amazing shot to take the game to overtime. He's still he's he's still clutch, and it was op- complete optimism about the return of Vic. And then then the next six games, the Pacers lose. Vic doesn't look comfortable. The Pacers don't look comfortable with Vic playing. Vic looks like he's trying to, you know, he's trying to just feel it out on the court. And the the and just we, the Pacers lost all their flow. And then they start to get it back a little bit. And then Bro, you know, then Brogdon goes out, and then um, the uh, COVID hits, and and the season gets cut short. And then you then fast forward to the bubble. Vic had the drama about if he was going to play or not. And then in the playoffs and in the bubble, like he played. And this is where I'm going to try to be optimistic. But overall, last year was like a bad year for Vic. And because like, I mean, I go back to I think I already said it on this episode already, but like that game two or three that timeout, you know, I mean, he lost, like he was, a, he was separate from the team. And then, and then I don't think I brought this up, but there, you know, there were, there were reports that um, during the bubble, Old Depot was like talking to other players from different teams and saying like, yeah, can I play with you guys? And, you know, just stuff like that. And just being completely disconnected from what was going on. And so I don't know, we don't know what that was, you know, if if it was just maybe hopefully, right? Hopefully it was just Nate McMillan and Vic having beef. But I think there were just many different um issues going on in the locker room. Like I don't think Miles Turner was happy. I don't think Justin Holiday was happy. I don't think Victor was happy. And the whole thing was just kind of it it was not a good it was not it was not what it, it was not a culture that the Pacers could succeed in with <laughs> without having a blue chip talent, you know, it's like, this is just slightly, these are like above average players and they're not going to win playoff series if they're not even feeling it. Like if they're not even believing in themselves, like they're going to get swept and that's exactly what happened. And I, you know, I put that on Vic because it's like, you were there, you were obviously healthy enough to be playing um, but like, I don't think he was playing for his team. I think he was playing for himself. And, and that's a big question about this year. And, you know, we're, we're getting closer and closer to actually getting to see Victor play. And so now I'm going to, now I'm going to do a 180. I'm going to do a drop step. I'm going to say, I love you, Vic. I'm, I'm wearing your Jersey right now. I want you to lead this team. I want you to be happy. Like, let's fucking do this, right? Like, and, and then here's the silver lining. So yeah, Vic, Vic, Vic stumbled out of the gates last year, but in the if you take the last 11 regular season games, he averaged 17 points, five rebounds, three assists, 1.2 steals, um, and then his his percentages were like 43 from the field, 36 from three, 83 from free throw. Not going to knock your socks off. 
not good enough for best player on championship team, but not bad. He still averaged 17, five and three. Um, he t- he, we, we, he started, well, two things, right? Like Vic started pulling up from deep. That's new that we didn't see pre-injury. And I feel like he's take, he took a ton of charges. I remember being like, dude, why are you taking these? It felt like he's taking more charges now than he did when he, before he got injured. And so you're like, every time Vic, Vic hits the floor, you hold your breath. And so, but he was taking charges. And so I think that that's, uh, you know, he, he showed me, he showed me enough on, on his return that like he could, he could definitely still be a dynamic player. And I think for Victor going into this season, like he's definitely uh, being uh, like underrated, kind of dumped on. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. And so he has to have a chip on his shoulder. I don't think he likes being um, the bad guy, you know, uh, but I, I'm not saying he's, he doesn't, he probably doesn't care or, you know, I don't know if he cares or not, but like, to me, he seems like one of those guys when it's going good, he's doing really good. And with the new energy on the team, Vic seems to be doing good. And so I'm going to take him at his word. Uh, you know, he, he's kind of said that he's happy with the coaching change. He's he hasn't accepted really um, kind of like owned any of those rumors about like wanting to play on a different team. Um, he's there. And, and, and the truth is, he may he may just like not want to be at the Pacers next year at all. Maybe he just hates Indiana. <laughs> I don't know. I, or it, that, that sounds like a crybaby. I just mean like maybe he's like, dude, I want to go to L.A., New York, Miami, whatever. And more power to you if that's what you want. Um, but I think we should expect a huge season from Oladipo. Um, and f- so far from training camp, people have described him as being bouncy. That's a good sign. Um, uh, Bjorkman said that everything that he's asked Oladipo to do, Oladipo's done it at a high level. Um, so... I think we got a lot to look forward to here. Um, another silver lining from last year, if you look at, so the first in, in the in the four games against Miami in the playoffs, um, Oladipo actually put up decent numbers. Now his play sucked as a teammate, but like his, his individual play wasn't that bad. And so if we're willing to reset the team, I'll, I think it's I think it's okay to look at some of the individual things that Oladipo was doing in the playoffs and be like, hey, like we'll take that as as we move forward. Um, he had the game. He had the, He got the, He had he got scraped in the eye in game one. So I'm leaving out game one. If you just look at games two, three, and four, you know he averaged 38 minutes a game, 22 points, four rebounds, three assists. The the best thing that I the best number 2.7 steals. Um, he shot 40% from two, 37% from three, and 91% from the free throw line. Like, we'll take that. Like, I would be happy with that in the playoffs from Oladipo next year. I really want to see Oladipo get those steals back up because that's where I, I feel like he's at his best is being a just a defensive stopper. Um, but then on the on the, the bad side, you know, like the, those are just those are the raw numbers of, of the three playoff games. But he also averaged over four turnovers. His play was uninspiring. You know, he was a bad leader and it was a selfish stat line. But 
it was a, he did do that against Miami in the playoffs. So what else about Oladipo? This, so going into this year, it's a fresh outlook. It's a contract year, new coach, new system. And he says, coach is amazing. We've really clicked. Let's, we're, gonna, we got, we're trying to do something bigger than ourselves. I'm taking him at his word for it. Clean slate. Everybody gets grace. It starts tonight in Cleveland. Let's go. So I'm wearing the Vic jersey. And I'm, I'm back on the Victor train for this season. No strings attached. One season contract, me and Victor. Um, and then we shall see after that. And then here's some other things that are positive. So, so Vic wasn't bad in the playoffs, just stat-wise. Uh, and then what he said, if we take, take him at his words, he says he's made drastic, drastic improvements. Um, there's a night and day difference from the bubble to, to where he is now. And that's a, that, that is super exciting because... I think Victor, you know, I think he's 27 or 28. Um, when he's right, I think he's the, he's the best player. on. He's got the highest ceiling on this team. Going into next season, I don't think there's another player who could flirt with an all-NBA type season. Uh, you know, I think about Domas, and I just don't know... I think Domas can definitely be better, and I'll talk about him in a little bit, but I I don't know where his numbers necessarily get much better. But Vic, if Vic goes to like 22 or 20 to 22 points, I, I don't know if he's – I don't necessarily want Vic to be an all-NBA player. But I, 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 I'm just saying, I think he has the highest ceiling on our team. And so to me, what, a, what an awesome season next year for him would be like up there with those – Four guys like I, to me, it's like we got Brogdon, Warren, Sabonis, and Oladipo that are going to be leading the team in scoring. Any one, any night, you don't know. Um, and so, when you're looking at a stat line for Vic next year, I'm just going to put him at 17 points. But it might be 18, it might be 19, it might be 16. Just you know, be in that class of scoring. Um, Give me like five and a half rebounds. Like let's bring back that old Vic of crashing the glass. Give me like four assists. Look, look to get other guys open. I want to see from this whole team. I think everybody's assist number should go up this year because every single player, and I'm like just talking about the starting five, it you know, Kit should be able to use the weapons of all the other four guys. So, you know, Victor has weapons to use when he's got the ball. Like, look for TJ Warren cutting or look for Brogdon uh, spotting or look for Sabonis or, you know, look for Turner. And and so give me four assists, and then I want to see two steals a game from Vic. So his his most improved season, um, the All-NBA team, he averaged 2.4 steals, which was really high. I don't – it may have led the league. And then, um, you know, we haven't seen those numbers, although – uh, you know, in the playoffs, right, we saw 2.7, and but that was just three games. So I want to see two steals a game. Get, get, let's get back into that. And then percentage-wise, like, give me 50% from the field. Let's get that three-point percentage up to 38. And then I want to see I, – I want this from every guy, but I don't see why our team doesn't shoot better from the free throw line. I want 85% from Vic. Like, our guys, in order for us to be the best team that we can be, all these guys who are really good, like, really good players need to be – really efficient from the free throw line 
And so that's what I want to see from Vic. And then just to play with joy and guard the basketball with tenacity. I want Vic engaged on the defensive end and just to be having fun because when Vic's having fun, he makes he's he is contagious to his teammates when he's having a good time and especially when things are going well and they're winning. So that's what I want to see. The question's still out there. Can Victor Oladipo be the best player slash leader on a championship team slash contender? Um, we shall see. Victor's stock is probably as low as it's been since that 2017-2018 season. And I'm dumb enough. I'll buy it all right now. I'm, I believe in Vic. I think he can do it. And I think this Pacers team could, can be very good this year. Moving on. The guy who came over with Victor from Oklahoma City is Domatis Sabonis. And going into the 2019-2020 season, um, I had a couple lines here about Domas Sabonis. And, and my questions going into this season were, how does he fit as a starter? I think we knew at that time that Domas was going to start because if you remember the year prior, with uh, Darren Collison and Thaddeus Young, uh, Turner started and Sabonis came off the bench. So last year was the first year that Sabonis was coming off the bench. So I wondered, how does he fit as a starter, uh, with, especially with this new team, new look? Obviously, Warren, Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb. Um, I said he gets paid this year. And then what kind of improvements do we see? He was only 23. And uh, in summary of this past season, after knowing now that it – how it ended up, yes, Domas had more to give. Um, his his first three years with Indiana are, are insane, the progression that he made, um, and then the leap that he made from year two to year three. So last year he averaged 10 more, point, 10 more minutes a game. Um, he started 62 out of 62 games that he played. Uh, he was a first-time All-Star, averaging 18 points, 12 and a half rebounds, five assists from the, from the power forward center position. Uh, he shot 56% from the field, only 25% from three-pointer, and only 72% from the free throw line. But with Sabonis, I mean, he's, his court awareness is awesome. His passion for the game, uh, the type of teammate that he is, his ability to make plays from the high post, and his ability to play with the second unit. He attacks the rim uh, with force. He's, you know, when he has the basketball, he's always looking, for, he's not, I don't know about always, but like he, he averaged five assists. So he's make he's definitely making plays with the pass. And he oftentimes finds like, he's really good at making that backdoor pass. Um, Sabonis just had a great year. I mean, being, being selected an all-star um, at 20, uh, well, he's 24 now, but, tw- you know, being selected at, as an all-star at 23 uh, the pay, and 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 just the fact that the Pacers got him, you know, locked up now for four years um, at a, at a very reasonable contract is is awesome. I love Sabonis. Um, it sucks that for this year he missed the playoffs because he had a plantar fasciitis, um, which you know he didn't we didn't see that in the in the regular season before COVID, but he he developed that afterwards. So, um, that's a shitty injury, and. It's something that we'll probably have to pay attention to. So 
I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if maybe, you know, the Pacers rest, rest Sabonis during the season. I would be interested to, to see if they do that for all their guys because, you know, Warren, he's injury prone. Oladipo obviously has suffered some injuries. Brogdon's pretty injury prone. Um, and now Domas with the with the, the plantar fasciitis. It, it's you wonder just like maybe maybe we should maybe the Pacers will be able to, um, you know, let guys have a night off uh, or, or not play them as many minutes. And that was one thing about the way that Toronto ran their team. They, they used 12 men, um, you know, regularly. I think they had I, I need to look that up, but it was maybe been like 12, 12 guys averaging 10 or more minutes a game, something like that. They used their entire team. And I think. I don't know if the if if Bjorkern will end up going that deep, but um, for the regular season, I would expect to see a lot of play. And oh, I can't wait for. <laughs> I just was thinking about watch, watching Cassius Stanley and and Jalen Lecue. Hopefully, I don't know if he's even dressing, but like Cassius Stanley for sure, and just all these guys getting to see him play again. And and now it's only we're less than three hours away. I feel like I'm. It's almost like New Year's Eve, and the, and I can see the ball starting to drop here as we get as we get closer and closer. I'm getting super excited. So. Uh, we get to see we get to see Domas and and last year Domas was great. Um, where could he improve? To me, it's all about shot making for for Domas because he's already does so much, but he could be a little bit more efficient. I there's no reason why his free throw shouldn't be at eighty percent. He's got great form. He's got soft touch. Seventy two percent from the free throw line. I don't think is 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 um, is Domas. Demontis Sabonis' best effort at the free throw line. I think he could do better there. And then also just shooting that three-pointer with confidence. And that seems to be something that the Pacers are going to hopefully do a lot more of this year uh, under Bjorkren is just jack those three-pointers up. And Domas needs to just join the parade because there were many, many times last year that he would have the ball, he would be outside of the three-point line, and he wouldn't even look to shoot it. You know, he would just be looking to give it up. And so now it's time to just it's time to just let it go, let it fly, buddy. And um, and I don't necessarily care if his percentages are that good for three. He's got to let him go. But the free throw line, he can do. I know he can do that. Um, and then also just just maybe like getting a little bit better on defense because um, sometimes he just looks a little. He just you know he does. He's never gonna probably be like an elite defender, but. Just, just getting a little bit better and and uh, being able to 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 I think increase those assist numbers. Like I don't necessarily need Sabonis to get a ton more points, and that's the thing with this roster. Um, if everybody stays healthy and 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 you're balancing out, you know, between our starters and then the guys on the bench that need to score the basketball as well, it's like I don't we don't really need anybody to score twenty or more. I think I'm fine with four guys averaging. 17 or more 17 to 19 and then i mean that's an that's perfect and then turner like 13 and then you got like aaron and justin and mcdermott all between like eight and ten uh aaron holiday i you know there, we just have so many guys that that are good i i'm who knows what's gonna happen with this team but uh i i think that's one thing sabonis can do is is use the weapons around him and uh Play his role. Play his role. And uh, I, Domas had a, a, some some quotes from about Bjorkren. He says he's positive. He the energy. It's good feeling. That uh, he said there's a lot of things to try out. Um, 
Sabonis said, you know, we, get, we need to show everybody what we are about. And that leads me to um, just like, I'll, I'll do probably like a, a more formal, maybe like Eastern Conference predictions uh, before the, the regular season actually starts after we get to see some of, some of these teams in action. But heading into the preseason, I, I see the Eastern Conference in three tiers. The first tier is uh, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, because they have Giannis. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers because they have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Um, and then they also may end up with James Harden. And then Brooklyn because they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think that Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Philly are, are kind of in their own class in the Eastern Conference. And then that second class is where I would put the Pacers. Uh, and that's right there with Boston, Miami, uh, the Washington Wizards. They, they were able to get uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, they traded him for uh, they traded John Wall for Russell Westbrook. I, I mean, with Westbrook and Bradley Beal, that's 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 trouble um, for Eastern Conference teams. Uh, Toronto Raptors, you can't you can't really. I, I think that they're a team that could fall the most, but they still have uh, solid talent, and I think they definitely belong in this class as well. So, so Boston, Miami, Washington, Toronto, and Indiana, I have in kind of that second class. So that makes up the top seven of the Eastern Conference. And then four, or no, sorry, the top, that's the top eight in the Eastern Conference. And, and the, excuse me, the crazy thing is that this year they're doing the play-in. So uh, the only, if you're only the top six teams in each conference are, are guaranteed that their actual playoff spot, if you're slotted in the seventh or eighth spot, when the season ends, you have to play in the play-in tournament. So really, teams 7, 8, 9, and 10 have a chance to make it into the playoffs. So um, the next tier down for me is Atlanta and Orlando. And then the bottom of the East is just like New York, Chicago, Detroit, um, the Knicks. I don't know who there's one other team. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but uh, so anyways, when, when Sabonis says we need to show everybody what we're about, that's because the Pacers are like being mentioned as the eighth best team. Um, and there's a chance that that that's where they end up, but I, I believe that they can, they can, they can achieve higher than that. So we shall see. All right, moving on. Next guy, TJ Warren. Uh, my thoughts, of TJ Warren coming into the on the Pacers last year was I said he's he's going to be a starter on a playoff team because I knew the Pacers were going to make the playoffs and I knew that TJ Warren was going to be a starter and I, by saying that I'm kind of TJ Warren had spent his career with Phoenix who's never who had never made the, the playoffs the first you know three four five years of his career with Phoenix however long it was before he came over to the Pacers um and I said that you know Going into next or going into last season, that TJ Warren was entering his prime, become a great role player and teammate. That's kind of like what I was looking for. And when you look at how he actually performed, he blew it out of the water. I mean, he he showed that he can score on a good team. It's not just you know good stats, bad team guy. Um, he had the best season of his career. He averaged almost twenty points a game, four rebounds, only one and a half assists. But he shot 40% from the three-point line and 81% from the free-throw line. 
uh, TJ Warren just gets buckets, right? Anybody that watched the Pacers knows that. Uh, he had the game in the bubble with 53. He had 18 games this season with 25 points per game or more. Uh, he was our most consistent scorer. Uh, he's a tough competitor. He has a stoic personality where you don't get a lot of emotion from TJ unless it's against Jimmy Butler. He might be our best wing defender. Six foot eight. He's only 27. Um, he he gives effort on the defensive end. And so um, just based off the fact that the Pacers don't have a lot of guys in that 6'8", 6'9", 6'7", range, uh, TJ Warren kind of kind of becomes our default wing stopper, uh, which which is not ideal. Um, but we also have bigger guards, you know, in Brogdon and Oladipo, so they can kind of help shoulder some of that weight. Um, but, you know, back to Warren this year, you know, we got him. So we got him from Phoenix for cash and he proved to be worth worth that um, for sure. This year he's making 11 million. Um, and then the Pacers, I think, could offer him an extension after this season. Uh, because he's obviously, if he has a season like he did last year, he's going to be in that mile, or he's going to be in that Domas, uh, Malcolm Brogdon type range where he's going to be worth like $20 million a year. And if he if he plays the way he did in the bubble, if he comes out this season and ends up being, you know, the best player on the Pacers team, I mean, he may end up uh, drawing more money than everybody else on the team. So... Uh, we shall see with 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 Warren. We have him under contract for at least this year and next year at eleven and twelve million dollars, which that's a bargain, folks. That is a bargain. Bargain bin for twenty points a game, twelve million bucks. That's how you build a championship team on a budget. Uh, what I want to see from Warren, I want him to be which he already is, but continue to improve with confidence as he's entering his prime, an efficient three level scorer, meaning in by the basket, mid-range, three-point line, who guards his ass off. And that's the thing that I'm interested in seeing with all these, with these five guys, it's like, you're not going to be, you're not going to get to put up the stats that you could on a shitty team. So do, like, when it's your turn, do it efficiently. And when it's not your turn, make an impact. And that, to me, that's what we have to have for this team to have a chance this year at doing something um, more than just, you know, maybe winning a first round uh, playoff series. So how can TJ Warren be more impactful without the ball and without making baskets? So, you know, maybe he could get, especially if he plays a little bit more stretch four, maybe he can help us out with the rebounding a little bit better. Maybe look for his teammates a little bit more. But ultimately, he's a scorer, and that's what we want him to do. So um, not everybody can be everything. Uh, unfortunately, TJ Warren has, I, I saw he has plantar fasciitis again. So I don't know what's in the water down there um, in Indianapolis these days. But Warren's going to miss tonight's game against Cleveland, and, and he's out for like a week or two. So hopefully it's nothing serious, um, you know. I heard this on on another podcast. It is what was that? What's that podcast? Uh, setting the pace, and if that's an if you're if you like Pacers podcast, setting the pace is good. That's the, that's probably my favorite one. And um, what were they saying about? Oh, it was someone made a point about T.J. Warren how he was injury prone 
uh, prior to coming to Indiana. And that is definitely true. Like he would miss 30 or 40 games a season. But last year with Indiana, you know, he was healthy every single game. I, I don't know if he even, yeah, he, he maybe missed one game or two games max. And, and so, you know, now that we, it's like, oh, here's an injury associated with TJ Warren. Hopefully that's it, but it's just something to kind of keep an eye out for. All right, uh, moving on. Next guy uh, to recap is our big man, our uh, lottery pick. Actually, many of our guys were lottery picks, but uh, Miles Turner. Going into last season, I had said, could Miles Turner be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate slash all-star? Um, I was looking for big improvements to his game, being only 23 years old and having that summer to be on the USA team. Um, looking at the 2019-2020 season, uh, you know, after that, I would say he left more to be desired. We, we, didn't, get, we didn't get that Team USA boost. Uh, we didn't see much improvement from Miles outside of just maybe shooting that three-pointer a little bit more confidently. Um, the blocks went down. But before we fall all the way into negative town, appreciate the rim protection that Miles Turner brings. And I appreciate the rim protection so much. I appreciate it so much that I don't care really about anything else about Miles Turner. I want him on this Pacers team because of the elite rim protection. The guy had five games last year with five or more blocks. It's so fun watching basketball games and getting to be like, get that shit out of here. Get that shit out of here. Nope. Uh, nope. And that's what you get to do when you have Miles Turner on your team as he's just stuffing people at the rim. And he had eight blocks against the Hornets. It's just, it's so fun to watch, to have, a, to have shot blockers on your team. Cause it's like, it's like getting, it's like a guy that dunks ferociously and how you feel as a fan when you're watching the game. Having a guy that stuffs, uh, stuff shots is, is, is the same thing for me. I love having Turner. I love him for that. Um, but last year wasn't the best. Last year was not a step up. If anything, I felt like he kind of just treaded water. Uh, but in a different pool, I think he was, he, he, you know, obviously with Domas starting, it changed the environment that Turner was operating in. And so numbers wise, he was right at his career average. He averaged 12 points, six rebounds, one assist. He averaged 2.1 blocks, uh, which is really good, but down from last year's two point or the previous year's 2.7, which led the league in blocks. So coming off of that year, that's why I was saying, is he a defensive player of the year candidate? Is he a border? Is he an all-star? Um, he was on team USA, like the hype train for miles was high last year. And he didn't, you know, he had, a, he had a season that came back. He, he didn't, he didn't go forward, um, but he's still 24. And now going back to positive town, it's like, why not now? Like he could do that stuff now. Um, and he had a good playoffs. I mean, statistically speaking, now Sabonis wasn't there, uh, but Miles had 16 points, 11 rebounds, four blocks. Um, a big red flag, unfortunately, was he shot seven. He went to the free throw line 16 times and only made seven of them in the playoffs for 43%. Um, that's what, that's, that's, a, that's a red flag, right? When you're trying to win a playoff game, and you, and you shoot 43% on 16 attempts at the free throw line. So that can't happen uh, for the Pacers to be a, like, that's a big, that's a big hole that shows. And, and, and you know, Miles is kind of, he, I don't know. I, 
he seems to be on the emotional side and that that's not a bad thing that's just how he plays i think he tends to he like like when things are going good things are going really good but when things are going bad things are going really bad for miles and so it, he's just he's just high or low at hot or cold and um one thing that i want to see from him this year and and from from all these guys is like as you're operating as a five man unit like each guy has to be be there mentally to their best and so like Turner has to hit 75, 80% from the free throw line in the playoffs, along with doing all the other things he does. Like we couldn't, we can't have that in a meaningful series, you know, 43%. Uh, but I'm glad that the Pacers, you know, he was in a ton of trade talks this off season. I'm glad that we didn't trade him. Um, one, because I don't know who else can protect the rim for the Pacers, unless we get to see a, a big, huge development from Goga, which, we get to see Goga play in just a few short hours. Um, if Goga turns it on, you know, who knows? That, that's a different conversation. But um, I, I want to know if if the positivity of the, the locker room now and the energy, if that can unlock Miles to play free and confidently. Um, and then just to see him approach the game like on the court a little bit more like, almost like TJ Warren in a sense where, you know, not, not letting his emotions get out of control, slow down. Like when he catches the ball, oftentimes I feel like it, he, it's like a hot potato and he's just looking to get rid of it. If he doesn't feel comfortable or he's looking to maybe force something. So just being a little bit better on, on the offensive end while being excellent on the defensive end uh, would be what we could, what we want from Miles Turner. And this is a big year to see what his role's like because especially if they stagger minutes with Domas, I mean, there's so much that can change. Um, but ultimately, I think in the playoffs, Miles is one of our top five guys because of his elite rim protection. And so what I want to see is Miles anchor a top five defense from the interior and then also improving on his on-ball defense away from the basket. Um, with Brogdon and Oladipo working together, you know, point guard, shooting guard, putting pressure on the, you know, funneling drivers into the lane in a sense where you got Turner there to clean to clean house. And then uh, be effective in the offense. He's going to be the fifth option, but he can contribute it in other ways. Like, I think one thing that Turner could get better at is doing the uh, you know, setting better screens. And then also, see, I'd like to see him increase the offensive rebounds a little bit. He only averaged 1.4 offensive rebounds a game last year, where like Domas averaged three. So could could Doma, or could Miles pick up an extra rebound on the offensive end, just being more aggressive? Um, and then for me, like the best stat line for Miles next year, like a career year would look like 13 points, eight rebounds, three blocks, so I'm saying he was at 2.7. Last year he went to 2.1. Let's get it up to three. And then get that, get those steals up to like one a game. Shoot 50% from the field, 38% from three-point line, and 80% from the free throw line. And we have ourselves a hell of a fifth man and a uh, anchor on a really good defense um, that can make some noise in the playoffs if that's the case.
All right, the last player, Malcolm Brogdon. Going into last season, I thought this is going to be uh, Brogdon's first year with like an elevated role, being the primary ball handler and playmaker. We knew that Vic wasn't going to be back until after Christmas. So Brogdon was going to come on the team and immediately assume, uh, assume, is that the word? Immediately, yeah, assume uh, the responsibility of uh, uh, being the point guard, uh, you know, making decisions with the ball. Um, and then I wanted to know how much of an impact he'll have on our team. And, and I said, Vic's right-hand man with leadership. Because going into last season, I was thinking Brogdon was the perfect, the perfect off guard for Victor Oladipo. And that's the whole reason why I had thought that that's why I had wondered or wanted the Pacers to sign Malcolm Brogdon as a free agent in the first place was I thought that he and Victor counter each other really well. Whereas like, you know, they're both, they both have good size. They both can handle the ball. They both can play off the ball. Uh, they both could, well, Victor couldn't shoot the three at the time, but you know, now he can. So anyways, I was interested to know how Victor and, uh, how Brogdon could, um, what's our word I'm looking for? Enhance. Yeah. How, how Brogdon and Oladipo could come together and they could, he could enhance Oladipo's game and kind of fill it out. Um, and so unfortunately we didn't get to see hardly any of that. I mean, we got to see those two guys play in the bubble. And it did not look good. Um, I don't know if those, I don't know what's, what, if anything was going on between Brogdon and Oladipo, if um, Oladipo was upset that the team and the and organization kind of took to Brogdon so hard and, and kind of labeled him the, the, the leader of the team. And I, I don't know if that kind of chapped Oladipo. I don't know what, it, what was going on, but one thing that didn't happen was those two did not have fun playing basketball together last year. Um, and that, you know, obviously we're not going to, we're not going to be a very competitive team if that's the case this year. We need, we need Brogdon and, and Oladipo to not only tolerate each other, but to love each other and to, um, like, that has to be, the, the relationship there needs to be the most important thing because those two guys are, are, are truly our leaders on, you know, I mean, Domas is going to look to, to Vic and to Malcolm and Miles is going to look to Vic and to Malcolm and Aaron Holiday, and, uh, you know, and even, even our vets like Justin Holiday and McDermott and McConnell and Lamb. I mean, they're going to be looking to those to, to Brogdon and Oladipo. I mean, they are the leaders of this team and, um, we need the we need those two guys to be better this year together, and and they're they're gonna drive they're gonna drive this thing. So, but specifically on on Malcolm, you know, he came in and the first four games he had like over twenty points and over ten assists. I mean, four double doubles off the bat. I know the Pacers kind of struggled a little bit, but uh, he came in hot. And up until Christmas, uh, Brogdon was borderline All Star. He was averaging sixteen points. Or no, sorry, that's his end of year. He was averaging over, he's probably like 18, uh, 9, and, you know, uh, shooting the ball well. He, he was in conversations of, of being an all-star, but he then had a pretty big injury around Christmas time, kept him out for like 9 or 10 games, and then wasn't in the conversation after that. But he had a really solid year. I mean, 
his 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 shooting left a lot to be desired. I mean, he did not shoot the ball well from three point line at thirty two percent, but he handled the ball a lot more than what he ever had, and and he showed that he could be. He was super clutch. I mean, Brogdon made plays down the stretch of many games last year. He performed really well in the playoffs. Um, he was in and out of the lineup with with many different injuries this year. He only played he played fifty four of our seventy three games, and um, but he's he's really good, and I'm excited for for Brogdon. I think I think that he and Victor can get along. And, and that this whole team can just be be really special. Um, to me, the key to the next season is how Victor and Brogdon play together and lead the team. I think that they have a potential to be an elite backcourt defensively and offensive. I mean, not not that they're gonna light up the scoreboard like McCollum and, and Lillard, but they're gonna they can be so good on defense, and then they're both potent on offense. So like the like the when you balance the the, the two ends of the court. I think you could, they might be in the case for like a top five backcourt in the NBA um, if, if they're both at their peak. And, and if that's the case, when you throw in Warren, Sabonis, Malcolm, or, uh, Miles Turner, you got a team that, that, that might do some, some serious damage in the playoffs. Um, I think that's... You know, that might be about it. That that uh, the preseason's tonight, the first game's the 23rd. Uh, everything seems to be going great with the coaching staff. And there's a lot to be a lot to be excited about here as a Pacers fan. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. We'll be uh, we'll be anxiously waiting to see how the Pacers look in their uh, first couple preseason games here. I uh, hope everybody has a great week. Thanks for checking out the pod and go Pacers. Peace.